Today's podcast is sponsored by Youth Ministry Booster, an online youth ministry resource network that for $25 a month provides all the graphics, games, visuals, resources, and community support that you need to enhance your large group gatherings. Boost your youth ministry at www.youthministrybooster.com. And special until January 5th, you can get Youth Ministry Booster annual membership for $150. Just use the passcode ZACHIPAD at youthministrybooster.com. We'll have all the details in the mid-episode break. It's time for Honest Reflection in Youth Ministry. Whether you are 19 and are just getting started... Or have been serving in ministry for 19 years. We hope this weekly dose of honesty and humor helps. Welcome to After Nine, the most honest conversation in youth ministry. Hey, After Nine listeners, welcome to episode 59 ish. So, Zach and Chatter on break for Christmas, hanging out with their families, resting, rejuvenating, but we wanted to hit you with some After Nine goodness. So, this is a remaster. Uh, refixing now that Zach is better with the editing from some old episodes that deserve some tuning and that for many of you will taste like new. We hope you enjoy this first clip from episode four. It's a funny one. Recording in the early morning, which is always my favorite time to record. Uh, Chad drove down today from Beeville to Tulsa, the 918 uh, South, as it were sometimes, um, to hang out. After dropping his dog off for dog surgery, Chad, your dog's having surgery? Is that, let me lift the prayer request up? I'm sorry. A prayer chain. It's an unspoken. It's an unspoken. But, <laughs> he didn't want to talk about it. I refused. I refused to pray for unspoken. So I'm just going to tell you that right <laughs> wow. now. Anyways, Chad um, dividing the audience. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't know why you brought this up so early. I'm emotional right now. Um, no, apparently my dog so. This little guy has more problems with his teeth than any other dog I've ever known in my life. It's just, he, I, I just feel like in a couple of years, I'm going to be dropping like two grand on like puppy dentures. Puppy or den- oh, that's good. Like yeah. wood, like wooden George Washington teeth. <laughs> <laughs> like, historic, historic dentures. He's just on the front end of a, front end of a boat crossing the Delaware. <laughs> Just he's the he's the spokes dog for for dentures everywhere. Yeah, yeah so yeah. he he's already had like he's the Wilford Brimley of dogs. He's already had two teeth removed in his life. The dog's like four years old. Like oh, he's a, not even an old dog. No. Oh wow. He, he he's had two teeth. Like his canines grew in weird. Irony. They like grew in like kind of backwards a little bit. And they yeah. were crossing over on some teeth and and so anyways, but he just keeps getting like they just keep getting gross. And like, no matter brush them. We my mom tells me brush them. We're getting too too much into my life right now. But I don't feel like I need to be brushing my dog's teeth. You know what I mean? Like we give him like raw hides and all these different things to chew on, and it, nothing works. And um, dentist bone things. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. But it, nothing seems to work. And so medicated chews. Anyways, he has to go in and get the, like teeth cleaned or whatever. Which, in like human world, like oh, that seems like a nice thing on a Friday, yeah, Friday right? Friday morning, it's set your appointments up, right? It seems it seems fun, and and you walk away, and you have that fresh feeling in your mouth, and sorry, that devil mint gum feeling, yeah. right? And, but for a dog, apparently, like it's a it's a procedure. Procedure. They, they put them under and all this kind of thing, and so we had to take him up there early this morning. And oh well, um, the. The dental assistant, or dental assistant, the vet- veterinarian <laughs> assistant, dental hygienist, asked me a very odd question this morning, okay. right? Because we're already paying a good chunk of money to have our dog put under in this little procedure done. She's like, do you want us to do the blood work to make sure that he can survive the anesthesia and that his blood will clot? At least she asked you on the front end, not the hind end. Yeah, and she's, <laughs> she's like, it's 55 extra dollars. And I'm like... What am I paying for? Like, <laughs> I'm giving you money up front for the other side. You're just like. It's a life check for your dog. Chad. Right. It's a life check. Yeah. To get yeah. a call in 15 minutes and it just goes, hey, he didn't make it. It, it yeah. didn't work out. <laughs> we never got to his teeth. Yeah. And so then I'm standing there at the desk going, is 55, like $55. I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, 
because I don't want to not spend $55 and then have to have the conversation with my wife later on today. <laughs> How you could have prevented <laughs> right. this from happening. Yeah. Like, well, they gave me the option nice. to determine whether or not he would live. Nice. And I just figured $55 is too much. <laughs> hey, Martha, saved us a few bones this week. <laughs> I've I've had my eye on another dog that was forty five dollars, and I just felt like it was a good investment. So my pun count was up to seven on that, and I'll let somebody go back and count and double check us. <laughs> but I had bones, hind, no, nothing. Okay, well that actually takes us back to the conversation point for today, Chad, which I think uh, is related to your Friday morning experience, and that's overcommitment. Uh, this is a conversation in youth ministry that I think a lot of us uh, are either embarrassed to have, or we have in kind of a humorous way only. Like this is like the facade conversation, right? Like. Oh man, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. But I hear everybody say that and I don't hear everybody saying like, yeah, I know I knew I was busy and now I'm going to start doing less things so I don't have to be so overcommitted. Right. Like like there's there's never like the the transformational conversation. It's either like the like like shrugging it off like, yeah, man, it's just part of it. I'm just too busy. Just too right. busy, man. Right. Or it's like, haha, I got so much going on and I'm like, you shouldn't laugh about that. Like that's yeah. that's real bad. Like you should you should not always be that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like my kids that are always tired. I'm like, Take a nap or go for a run. Like if you're always tired, drink less of the caffeine. It's not helping. No, if you just suck in more monsters, you'll be fine. Right. This episode point, brought to you by Monster. By Monster. <laughs> no, uh, you know I completely get that. You, you know, but I, I don't know, and I'll speak for myself, but I think you as well, Zach. Um, this isn't probably an easy episode for either one of us as far as kind of the personality type that, that both you and I are. We like to do this stuff. We like to do this stuff. We like to be busy. I mean, case in point, Friday, day off. Uh, 8 a.m., Chad's driving. <laughs> We're doing this. It's been in the morning. Yep. For fun. Yeah. I'm like, all right, okay, I can get my dog to the vet by 7.30, the road, be at Zach's by 8.30, we can dive into this we're gonna do multiple all morning yeah, <laughs> yeah we're doing it yeah. yeah and so but um I, I think as we talk today um i think you're gonna hear some honesty from us um you're gonna hear some um hopefully some even some shortcomings in some of these areas for us and and even some encouragement for one for for each of us of, of saying okay what is it in our life that that we can say no to what what are those things that we can prioritize well what are those things that um, we can give away all of those kind of things in in our life in our ministry, and so we come back to this idea of after nine of walking to your car um, on a Wednesday night or Sunday night or whenever that is at nine o'clock, and we have all these questions of why am I doing this and and these frustrations in ministry. The weekly existential crisis, exactly. And and so um, I, I think we come to this point, and these are always kind of the topics and conversations that we want to have of asking ourselves. Um, why are we or why are other student pastors getting to this place of burnout or just a spiritual unhealthy place? And and maybe some of that is because we're not saying no enough. Well, this is the root. And I, th- I think that the, the, the no enough is, is a mantra that we probably could adopt um, for youth ministry for the next decade and still be okay. Like youth ministry would still be around if we all adopted the mantra and, you know, no, more no's, please, you know, or right. whatever. But I think the please part is important, and we'll get to that later on today. And, and how to say no in a nice way, right? Uh, but but I think the overcommitment is kind of the root of the issue. And for me, for me being honest and upfront, it's because I want to make sure that at least one of my invest investments pans out. Okay, like so, our our church culture language is like we want to invest in our people, and we want to invite other people. We want to invest in our people and invite other people. And so the investment language for me is like, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit here, put a little bit here, offer a little bit here, because if one of the three doesn't work out, at least I've got two that might work out. The problem is, is it's never three. It's usually closer to 30, right? Like you've got this leadership project here. You've got these leaders that are already helping some other ones that you want to help. There's other youth ministries that youth pastors that you want to support and be there for because you're working on recording that album and you really want to go like play the worship gig at the D now on top of doing the speaking thing. And then also you really want to be pulpit supply for your pastor, but you also want to support the children's pastor because what they're doing is really important because it features student ministry. And there's all these different kind of like, like nodes that kind of hang out there that you're hoping like really connect up and like build the base of your whole ministry because somehow we've gotten away from this kind of streamlined or central thesis of what it means to pastor young people. Mm. And I think it's hard because they're in such a flutter and such a transition all the time that we feel like we should be in such a flutter and such a transition. Mm. I think the healthy practice 
is to find some ways to be steadfast, some ways to be diligent, and some ways to continue in a way, sustain in a way that our young people can see and begin to model in their own lives. There's nothing worse for a young person who's feeling hectic and feeling the pressure than a youth pastor who's overburdened, overcommitted, and feeling all the <laughs> hectic stuff and pressure. Like usually the more stressed you are, the more stressed your students are. Yeah. And so if you can find a way to be a little more peaceful, you might see that there's a little more peace in your ministry as okay. well. Yeah. No, that's good because right now is I know at least for my students, it's like um they're Tons of tests, all that kind of stuff that it's going on right now. Winter finals, yeah. Winter finals. They're, they're determining who they're going to ask to snowball, yeah. right? Right now, <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's what's happening in Bartlesville uh, right now. Is, yeah, yeah. Um, all these kids are like posting pictures. The of rest the of the world may call it winter formal in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. They call it the snowball. The snowball. snowball. Yeah, no, yeah. They're posting pictures of people that they're asking to snowball and all that kind of stuff. Nice. I'm thinking about asking my wife to snowball just so should. I can post some cheesy Instagram should. photo. You should give uh, her a snow globe. Like you should like give her the or like throw a snowball. No, that's no, it's been done. It's been done. Um, I wanted to have something to do with those egg rolls at QT because mainly just because I want to eat a bunch of those egg yeah. rolls. At QT. So, anyways, um, the reason I bring that up is is for for me right now. I've got a lot of students that seem super stressed out because of all of those kind of things, and yeah. I think that that's right on Zach, because, um, if they're walking in on a Wednesday night or, or Sunday morning or Sunday night and, and I'm also frantic, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it feeds into that. And I think it, it says to them that that's okay. And this is what adult life looks like. It's, it's, it's just the way you gotta live, man. Right. Like the, the, the more irons in the fire, the better you're living, the right. better you're living. Yeah. So as a student pastor, how do we navigate that? How do we know what is okay to say no to? And what do we um, what can we not say no to? What are what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you've got to know what it means to be a youth minister at your context. Like whatever your church looks like, location, size, expectation, you need to make sure that you know the perimeter of the expectations for your position and role. If you're volunteer, part-time, full-time, you need to have a really good gauge on what that looks like. I mean, I, I think probably the 10-hour, 15-hour, 40-hour-a-week stuff doesn't always work because we have weeks like camp that are like 100 hours. Wait, you're telling me that that job description that they gave me when I first walked I'm, in I'm, I'm telling you that the job description they gave you should be updated probably by you. Like, you probably should be the one that looks at it and reviews it and says, no, I don't know. Like, once once you're on the other side of the hire, right, or, okay. or in the process of the hire, you should be the one that's like, this doesn't actually apply. And Dude, this is I'm actually down for good... that because it sounds like a negotiation. I, 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 mean, I think I think there's a little Liam Neeson in that stuff, right? Like, I think there's a little bit of like, this is the stuff that you really want. And so I, th- I think you I think you have to know what the core parts or pieces or principles of your role is. And so if you are the full-time youth minister on a large team, you need to know when you're not traipsing on somebody else's territory. If you are the youth pastor part-time, but you're actually the only person on staff under 55. So you're also the the volunteer web designer and the volunteer videographer and all these, you know, social media director out of nowhere kind of thing. I think you need to know that, hey, that's that's stuff that's really good for our church to do, but I, I just can't shoulder all of that. Or I can only do it for like an hour a week. Like I have a friend that's working in Chicago and he he's a part-time youth pastor by pay, but they also want him to do, get this, missions. Yeah. Communications, college, and social media. Right. On a part time youth ministry pay and also in a part time way oversee the youth ministry stuff. Yeah. All of those things are really important. But what that tells me is that his church is saying, We don't know what you're worth and we don't know what these things are worth. Oh, okay. And so I think you need to know what your position is valued at and what your time is valued at. Um, I mean, just, just like for Chad and I to do this thing on our day off, like it has to mean a lot. Right. It has to mean a whole lot to both of us to do it. It's not that you wouldn't do it for free, but you've got to know what your time is valued at. And so you start with what is the thing that I'm like kind of bound to? So like if you are the full-time person, you need to make sure that you are completing the full-time requirements of your job. If that means a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, if that means... Uh, a winter retreat, a spring retreat, and a summer camp. Like you need to make sure that you're fulfilling those things. Um, and, and some of those things you may not know exactly, and some you may not know until you start probing and asking those questions. But I think those are questions worth asking. 
because it is probably more true than not that a lot of folks are doing stuff that a um, the people they were accountable to didn't know they did or whatever. Uh, so it's like you spent all this time doing this stuff, and it wasn't until the other side that you were like found out. They're like, "You were the guy that was doing all that stuff," right? And you're like, "Yeah," and like we had no idea. Yeah. And so I think you should be accountable to whoever you're accountable to. If that's a that's a if that's a committee or a team or a, a pastor person or a boss person. You need to know what you're responsible for, and in ways in which that responsibility will be measured. Like if if Sunday morning is really important at your church, and it probably is, you need to make sure that's always at the highest level that you can give it. Uh, if if the midweek thing is in debate or whatever, know that like it may be more important to you know spend more time going to school lunches that week instead of you know working on the midweek lesson for four hours or six hours or seven hours or whatever. And so I think kind of being able to adjust and know what the core things are. And then from there, after you, and once again, we're big advocates of writing down your life, making lists, knowing what's ahead of you, having a plan. Um, After you've gotten all that stuff figured out, then begin to kind of pick and choose the, man, you know what? I would really like to work on my worship leading stuff. So I think I'm going to add some guitar lessons in my life. Or, you know, I, I would really like to maybe think about working on that book thing. Or, you know, I'd really like to be a bigger advocate for our college ministry. It's not part of, my my paid obligations, but I just have a real passion for all of my students that are graduating, and I want to commit to them in a way that I can out of the uh, dispensable time that I right. have, and not the core time that I have. Yeah, because I think for any of us that walk into a new church, there's that base level expectation, right, that your church has for you as a youth pastor, your as your senior pastor has for you. Uh, sometimes they write that down in, in a job expectation and things like that. Sometimes um, those are maybe even less communicated. I, I'm, I'm a big believer that the things that are valued in our church are the things that are celebrated. Yeah. And so I think you can always see like what people value, whether they say it or not, by what's being celebrated. And so... Um, if, what what gets stage time and what gets money? Right. Ce- celebration is not always applause. Right. Celebration is what gets stage time and what gets money. Sure. If your children's ministry is always lauded, like children's sermon, like people love children's ministries because they love children's sermons. Mm-hmm. People love children's sermons because they love children's ministry. Like if you see it on stage, yeah. or if you see it in the budget, you know that's what they love. Sorry, that's my aside no, because that's it's like good. it's like I just want to have like youth sermons, like children's sermon, where we have like all the tenth graders come down and sit <laughs> on the front, and we're just like, well, today, kids, we're going to talk about Twitter and the dangers of Twitter, and, <laughs> and they're all on their cell phones, <laughs> and they're all on their cell phones, not paying attention. Great. Well, it's why a lot of churches, and maybe this is only true for the places that I visited, but like they always want the youth like front and center. Uh, people yeah. want to see them. People want to because that's like their way of celebrating is like yeah. like the Overwatch of like there they are, <laughs> our kids. They're a safe distance away from me, but there they are. We'll talk about Zoom mentalities in youth ministry in a future episode. But right, it's it's celebration is what gets stage time or platform time or website promotion time, and then what gets money. Uh, you you can check, you can look at the budget and, sure. and be like, oh, they're really about this. Like if you look right. at a church's budget and there's like zero dollars for mission, like they may say they love mission, but scorecard says no. Right. But, sorry, go ahead. No, <laughs> but I think in that like there's this expectation that your church has, and and you can see it. Some of it's written. Some of it's not, and I think um, I, I think there's a responsibility. I think as a youth pastor to live into some of those. But then I think that internally, though, I think each of us also have an expectation yeah. of what a youth pastor is and who I'm supposed to be. And and I think that that's really important. I think so often guys will jump into churches, and, and I hesitate to say this, but because they want a job, yeah. Or maybe they just want out of where they were. Right. I want the next job. And so they'll jump into places that may not be the best fit, right? Because when you start talking expectations that the church has, and then you start looking at your own self and going, okay, what are my expectations? What are what I believe a student ministry should look like and what I believe a student pastor should look like? And I think I think far more often we need as student ministers across our country to be able to look at a church and look at what they're looking for in a youth pastor and go, you know what? Sounds like a great church. Sounds like what they're looking for is great. I just don't know that it's me. And be able to go, no, I'm I'm not going to do that job that's a bigger church and more pay because we know that it's going to lead to something that's not healthy. 
And I think we've got to be responsible enough to to say no sometimes. Well, I think what I'm hearing you say, Chad, is that there's there's a level of serving the church as it is. Like so there's right. a, there's a little bit of serving the status quo. Like you can't probably change your senior pastor, and like like that person is going to have expectations, and you need to know what they are. Whoever your boss is, maybe you have an executive right. pastor or a, a staff parish team that's kind of overseeing the expectations of you. There's also going to be the expectations of like the parental people that are around your youth ministry and then also the students in the ministry that you need to serve that a little bit too. Like some of some of the parents just want a newsletter a month from you right. because they just want to know what's going on and they don't want to call you. Right. They want to know and they want it in the mail or the email, but they don't want to call you. They want to know they can call you, but they don't want to call you. They just want to know what's going on. And it's probably faithful to give them some kind of monthly sure. letter of whatever. But then there's that bit for what you bring to the table, and you need to honor what you know about youth ministry, student ministry, that might be different than what they have known. And I think that's the subversion. I think there's a healthy level of subversion of how you begin to change the status quo. So on one hand, you're serving what the expectations are, and then you're beginning to see ways that you're subverting it. So maybe it's like, listen, I'm not going to write a monthly newsletter thing forever. I'll do that for a while, but begin to notice, hey— I'm sending out these status updates on the Facebook thing that all of you love so much. And you begin to change and tweak that a little bit. Or if your senior pastor wants you to always be a part of the worship planning process, maybe it's, you know, you have one big list of songs and you're already prepped and ready. So you're not having to like think from scratch each week. And so you've, you've begun to like change the way that you've thought about like the worship planning process that you got invited into. And it's not that you say no to it, but you begin to think about ways that you can bring maybe a fresh look or sure. an efficiency to it that wasn't already there, but you're serving and subverting at the same time. Right. And I, I really like what you say in there because you mentioned meeting their expectation first, right? Meeting them on their level, what they're, um, what they know to be, I guess the norm in their communication, or you just using communication here, but it could be a um, multitude of different things. Right. But you, we you, want dodgeball every Wednesday night. It's what we want. <laughs> Or whatever. <laughs> I am not that youth pastor. <laughs> um, but, but so let's say that that was the case, yeah. right? Or sorry, let's do this. So, so the parents want you at the football game. Okay. They want you at the football game. And you're like, well, like Friday nights are kind of my time off. But right. Yeah. So yeah, but that one's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe for a season you meet that expectation, right? You're there. I think through that, through, the, through those things, we build credibility. Yeah. Right. And then is you're listening shows that you were listening. Right? <laughs> um, but as we grow credibility, I think we in our leadership can begin to shift that yeah. into some areas that we say, okay, I have X amount of time in a given week. Yeah. I may value this over being at that football game every single Friday night. Right. And so I'm going to spend much more of my time on this. But because I've built the credibility that my parents know, hey, I care about their kids. I care about what's going on in this community, right? It doesn't have to necessarily look like this one key element, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that that's really important. And I think it goes back to this idea that we kind of first started on is figuring out what are those elements that we need to say yes to and what are those elements that we can say no to. Oh, year ago, Zach and Chad. You sound so young and yet so wise. It's true. Celebration is the most underutilized thing in the church today. Youth pastor, learn to say yes and learn to say no. Because every time you answer, you're saying one of them. Okay, so we joked about it at the front of the episode, but the special going on until January 5th from Youth Ministry Booster is you can get a year of Booster. That's 12 Booster Packs, 12 large group series that includes four new games, graphics, visuals, countdown videos, bumpers, social media, and all the resources you need for $150. All you have to do is go to youthministrybooster.com Click annual membership and enter Zach iPad to not only get Youth Ministry Booster for a year for 150 but also because Chad is giving away my iPad to one of our new members. Congratulations. Merry Christmas. Check out this deal on youthministrybooster.com today.
So this next clip comes from what I think is probably the most important early episode for Zach and Chad. The conversation that we kept coming back to week after week outside the studio and inside the studio was rest for a youth pastor. How do we do rest right? How do we find the meaningfulness of Sabbath when there's so many things that we could be doing? Rest, it seems, either provokes youth ministers to guilt or to laziness, but it is so vital for us to rejuvenate. Check out this clip, and I hope you enjoy. We'll catch you afterwards. I was thinking the other day, though, like for for your child, right? Yes. And and Facebook and even maybe Twitter probably will not be around when your child is a teenager. It will be some other form, but implanted. But like, there is this like perpetual like family album. Right. Yes. That will always be online. We'll never discover family photos, right? right? Like that's the thing that I think we've lost is like you're never gonna be the kid that like goes over to the grandma house and like like he's never gonna go over to his grandma's house and be like, Oh my gosh, can you believe that there were photos I hadn't seen? Like it, right. it's just always available, right? Like it's just always convenient, it's just always available, always accessible. I think I can I can't imagine that, right? Being like sixteen years old, getting some sort of like social media account for the first time yeah. and like you log on and immediately there's like 10,000 pictures of you, of you. on yeah. there right <laughs> that are like tagged that you and like one year old naked in the bathtub and you're just like, like great I'm trying to get a girlfriend over here and- <laughs> already crushed like there's <laughs> there's no way yeah yeah like it's it's a, and that's such an odd conversation about like um, students using social media and then being on social media if we can have that moment of like so parents a, a lot of parents it seems like are very comfortable in photographing their families and putting pictures of their kids on facebook and i know that there's like privacy parameters and restrictions right. and whatnot but s- many of the same parents are very hesitant to let their own children use the services right, right? so it's like that weird like hey my face is on the milk carton but i can't drink the milk and so it's like that weird, like you're documented, but you're not a user. And that's a really, I think, interesting dynamic for young people. Right. All right. So is that future of young people <laughs> as they become future parents? What I are just, we doing? It just seems overwhelming to me, I, even as an adult, to, to get on there and to be a part of it uh, from day one, right? Because in my life, I've been able to like, I don't know, like monitor it, right? Yeah. Like, I've put up the pictures that I've wanted, said the things that I want. Like, there's an entire, like, set of people now, yeah. right, that are getting on social media. And at some point, right, they're going to be able to, like, look back at all their parents' posts yeah. to when they were, like, the birth announcement of them, right? Yeah. And yeah. mom and dad's going, well, this was an accident, right? Right, You're right. Like, oh, the, okay, the, uh, cool. the involuntary documentation of your life. There were all there were all unwilling documentary participants. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're my dad, you take all the photos and there's no editing. Like that's the part for me that like I mean, contra to many of the middle school girls or guys that we work with, that, like very selective and restrictive about the pictures they're going to post. Yeah. Like you know, like they'll take a picture and then like text it back and forth and like. Is this good? Should I do this? And like, yeah, you look great. Awesome. You get folks from like my dad's generation that are like, took 40 photos, posted 40 photos. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, and it's like three are almost the same. Like there's like three of us eating around the table from slightly different angles. And it's great. It's great <laughs> because it's free. Dig- if for if for as free as the digital ink is of 2016, it's also still very permanent. Right. My, you know, my fa- my favorite that it seems like I see a lot of, uh, especially the older generation. Fourth of July, right? Oh my gosh. Fourth of July, my like facebook feed will blow up of people trying to take pictures of fireworks Firework. <laughs> and it's just this dark picture that has like blurry lights it's got like one little like 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 flick or flecker of right. to after nine listeners at home if you have aunts or uncles that are consummate firework photographers have them click before they see you have to anticipate <laughs> The firework photograph, yeah. I wish there firework was firework selfie. I wish there was like some sort of social media aspect that like the public could weigh in. Like yeah. you could lose your picture rights. Oh wow! You know what I mean? Like if enough people voted, that was like this dude is just putting up garbage all the time. Just like, like a global social media survivor. <laughs> like right. just like we all live on this giant island, and some of you are going to have to go. Right. That seems like. 
disastrous and wonderful reality TV? Like, how do we how do we port that reality TV show concept to the global Facebook market? I'm just telling you, if there are a few people that there's like one user left, like what if it's like we get everybody signed up on like the social media, the new social media outlet, the Survivor Book or whatever, and have them all like sign up, and then it's like just elimination. It's like Lord of the Flies eliminating each other until Kill there's the just pig. <laughs> piggy until there's just one <laughs> until there's just one user left. That's, I mean, Hunger Games, yes, social media Hunger Games. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first from Chad Higgins and Zach Workin. We are starting social media Hunger Games. Listen, I volunteer as tribute. I volunteer. Oh, please, if you want to pit yourself against Chad Higgins in the social media contest that is March 2016, <laughs> I guess here we go. I would lose because I wouldn't want to post anything. <laughs> Which It's just exhausting. Like, the whole thing is exhausting to yeah. me sometimes. Which I, I, it leads us into a little bit what we're going to talk about. You know, w- uh, what we do as, as student pastors, sometimes we hit these seasons that we're we're exhausted. We're tired. And so... Doing too much. Doing too much. And we, we talk about that, and, and me and Zach will probably be the first ones to admit to you that um, we're probably bent a little bit more towards that way. That we like doing good work. When the work is good, I like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> we we will throw a few things on our plates, and um, but there comes a time Sometimes where... we'll buy more plates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, they were on clearance or whatever, yeah. But... You mean I can have four gatherings a week for the price of three? Done. <laughs> Done. I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> Buy three, get the fourth free. Oh no, that's yeah. exhausting. Sorry, I cut you off. No, but I've so... overloaded you. <laughs> I'm but... exhausting this joke. Every time I try, I know. Every time you try to rest, someone interrupts. Yeah. So what we want to talk about um, today is um, finding a place of rest yes. and and finding an atmosphere, um, a place, a time in our schedule. Um, that we can set aside as, as student ministers to truly rest. And one of the things we'll talk through in, in this episode um, is is how do we rest? When do we rest? Why do we rest? All those kind of questions. Um, and so, yeah. You could we, say there's a right and wrong way to rest. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think that's that's worth talking about. Yeah. So where where do we start that conversation, Chad? I mean, wh- what's the what's the jumping off point? I mean, I think maybe we could build a little bit of the case for we don't rest enough. And I think that's probably an easy case to build. But where, where, where's the first point of Chad Higgins' wisdom that you would offer to our After Nine listeners and friends for where the rest? Is, is it a why question? Like, is this people don't know why, or is this a question of how? Like, so what's, what's me, the first tidbit? Let me let me pose a question to you first and foremost. <laughs> See what he did there? He took it back the other way. <laughs> My friend JC, My used friend to J- yeah. ask a lot of questions. Um. Here's my first question to you: How do you how do we know as student ministers when we truly need rest? Mm. What are the indicators in our life that that say, okay, we need some rest? The first indicator, Chad, <laughs> is if someone asks you that question and you don't have a quick answer. <laughs> if someone says, "When was the last time you took some rest?" and you don't remember when because it's all a haze or blur because you are bleary eyed. Maybe, maybe it's time. Okay, for some rest. I, I, I think that the first is if, honestly, like that sounds silly, but if you can't remember, if you can't remember the last time you had a day off, if you can't remember the last time that you had like a true Sabbath or whatever, and Sabbath maybe is you know an afternoon or a morning because you have other job commitments or children to take care of or whatever, and we'll talk about how some of those things aren't always. competing with rest they actually can contribute to good kind of rest Uh, but i think if you can't recall like that's a place to start Hmm. Um, and if you can't recall then that means you probably don't have a pattern and if you don't have a pattern you should try to find a pattern i think the 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 wisest thing that i would offer to any youth pastor who's like let's talk about one thing like what's your one shot wisdom for me today and that is finding good routines or rhythms in ministry too much else is beyond your control too much else is dynamic and wild and late night phone calls or, you know, trying to get the cart off the track, um, whatever you can do to fight for a kind of routine or rhythm, not, not the mundane, not, not like settling in for mediocre and just kind of riding something out, but to live into a kind of routine that is working hard, resting hard. And like whatever the, the task is at hand, like the time is carved out in a way for, 
um, intention or purpose. And I think having a contentional or a purposeful routine or rhythm is like the best wisdom that I could give to a youth pastor. Right. And and that starts with rest. Like it doesn't end with rest. It starts with rest yeah. because you want to do this for a long time. I hope. Yeah. Like and it, to do that for a long time requires rest. Yeah. Okay. So. F- <clears throat> So for you, one of those indicators would would be not not even remember right those those blurry type things happen in our life where we're really asking the question when was the last time I rest yeah. for for me one of those indicators my brain I, I okay. start getting very scatterbrained okay. on everything um, do you feel less sharp I do very okay. very much I will find myself forgetting things um, more often I'll for, I'll find. Um, I'll drop the ball on, on multiple mm. things because it, I'm just I I've got so many different things on my plate, um, and, and not that that's always a bad thing, but it's um, I'm not doing any of those well, um, and I, I'll I'll find that to be true, and so I I can't keep um, my train of thought going very very well, and and all of those kind of things um, that'll be very very true in my life. Um, my car is a great indicator. Okay. Um, that sounds super practical. <laughs> I like it when you bring it to the practical. Um, what about your car? When my car gets extremely messy, okay, I need a break. Okay. Um, because... One, I think it's an indicator. I end up almost like living out of my car, yeah. you know, <laughs> like I'm going from like point A to point B. Like it's not just like coffee cups, but it's like coffee cups and food wrappers. Stacked and like, in no, coffee cups. <laughs> like stacked in coffee cups. There's like notes pages. There's like changes of clothes. Right. When you get shower accessories in, is that when you're, <laughs> right. you're living too much out of your vehicle? And right. you're just like, well, I just ran into the, the C store and I got a coffee and I did a quick, you know. A little yeah. bath there in the sink because I'm staying busy. Yeah, if you're <laughs> if you're digging through old Sonic bags to yeah. find a peppermint, <laughs> like, I, haven't, I haven't brushed my teeth in a while. But maybe this bag with the little like you know bonus Starlight Mint will take me home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so normally, yeah, that's what you'll find. There'll be like this small cocoon that is a driver's seat. You know what I mean? And then there's gonna be- if, if you if you have no space for anyone else in your car. That's probably a great indicator that you have not made space for rest. Yeah. If rest was a person, could they fit in the passenger seat of your car? Yeah. So that's always an indicator for <laughs> okay, me. That's good. Um, I my car will go absolutely just nuts. And okay. So, so then it's like, oh yeah, let's go to lunch, and then I'm trying. You're like, you're gonna have to drive. <laughs> Yeah, hold on while I clean this yeah. out. As you shovel stuff away, yeah. <laughs> you can use your getting stick, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so real quick, did we talk about the getting stick the last time we were doing that? So, so Chad Higgins <laughs> is a truck owner, and for those of us that are not truck owners here in the South or Southwest, uh, apparently not equipped standard with every truck, but as important as any other part that would be equipped standard with any truck is having a getting stick. Well, maybe that's just me. I don't know if, if every truck <laughs> I feel like when it. you said it, you said it like you were part of a club, and it was like, this is what we do. Like, as a truck owner, we all have getting sticks. <laughs> the best part. I, yeah, dude, I, I'll sell something. I, I if I have is, something, I just assume everyone else does. No, the question I have for you, though, this is the thing that I still, I think, after our encounter of you helping me out uh, a, a month ago or whatever, was that it was a hockey stick which <laughs> the thing for me is like Oklahoma is not necessarily like indigenous for hockey and I have never known you to play hockey ice street or otherwise I did. oh did you yeah. oh okay well that changes the story I thought that you just went out randomly to Walmart or whatever and <laughs> bought a hockey stick because you're like these are the kind of getting sticks that you need well okay so here here's what it is how we've gone off on this tangent, this is important. Never... <laughs> it's not important it's about your vehicle <laughs> so I like to keep what what I have classified as a getting stick. A getting stick, which, trademark. <laughs> is which, it, oh, it can't be because it's is it is it universal? I don't know. I, I just came up <laughs> it with is it now. The getting stick. The getting stick. <laughs> the people up north that are hearing this are going, "Why am I listening to?" These yeah, but they have hockey sticks, so they're interested. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's a new function or purpose for their hockey sticks up north they didn't know about. All right, so us rednecks. Here, yeah. Here's the thing. Um, this is for our friends in Michigan too. Well, the bed of your truck is very long. True. And my truck sits up a little higher. So I can't just like, if something is in the middle of my bed, that's small, I can't just reach it. So I keep a hockey stick (laughs) in the bed of my truck. And if, if I have something small in the back of my truck that I need to get, 
I can grab the hockey stick. I can grab it and pull it to myself. It to you. You it's can, the getting you stick. stick. I guess the question for the non-truck owner is, why would you make things you need to reach so hard to reach? Well, if you put it up, <laughs> if you put it at the back of your bed, it rolls. I got and then it, it rolls. I got like, it. No, it, it okay. gets back there. Okay. Well, SUV owners um, or wagon owners, crossover owners, maybe this is not true for everybody, but for at least for my running crew, we all have small tubs that all have like the little things that we need because we don't have the cool cargo boxes or the toolboxes of a truck. So we have a small little utility kit. Which is not as cool as a getting stick. That's cute. I know. With your little SUV. <laughs> it's we have a little crossover. <laughs> That's just precious. Your little tote. You keep your groceries in there. It's got our um, reusable grocery sacks and jumper cables and all the kinds of important things. That's cool. I used to have a little four door car. Oh. The uh, the breaking point for me um, that I finally went to a truck is I loaded my entire trunk and back seat up with half a rick of firewood. <laughs> And it's at that point that I said, you know what? I probably need a truck. Is that not civic ready? (laughs) I feel like if you know what a half a rick of firewood is, you're already halfway to owning a truck. (laughs) Okay. So Rez, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, if you fast forwarded through that tangent, we hope that you really enjoyed it. And if uh, you, yeah, great. So exhaustion, truck, (coughs) maybe even meandering in conversation. Is that maybe a sign of exhaustion is if you're starting to talk about other (laughs) things. Maybe I'm not as mentally sharp today. (laughs) Maybe it's not as sharp, not as prepared, not as prepared as we could be. Um, But I think, I think you're right in saying that um, there are, there are physical things connected to our emotional and mental state, right? Right. Like um, for me, if my hair is getting longer than I want it to be, like that's kind of like, Hey man, maybe you should get a haircut because you're looking a little wonky. Uh, But my, my desk at the office, right? I think that's one of those, like when it's just like, when I have to like scooch stuff to the left or right so I can like put my laptop down or whatever. It's like, well, maybe I should have finished those invoices on time or whatever. And I I think though there's, there are some physical assets or artifacts that reflect the busyness of, of our state of being. And so I think the important thing is not to, I mean, it is fun to humorize them, but not to glamorize them and to take stock of maybe you should take a day of rest and get reset. And I right. think I think that's the case for why rest is so important is that rest is a chance to reset. Sure. And I feel like some of us it's like go, 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 go and there's never a pause to reset because sometimes we do hit the tangent wall, right? Like we start running and man, we run so fast and so far and work so hard, but there was never a moment of like were we even on the right path? Like what were we right. doing? Like what narrative were we chasing? And I think sometimes we can make a tangent into a ministry, and when we look back, we're like, that wasn't even the main thing. Right. Like I know that we shared about before we started recording today that we're having some kind of heart-to-heart conversations with some of our student leaders because may- maybe for them they've lost the, the the narrative or the importance of what we're about, or maybe in our pursuit of doing things really well that we missed the main thing because we were trying to make the thing a thing. Absolutely, and I think one of the big problems is we live we live in a society that almost glamorizes being tired. Yeah, right. That um, you almost find your worth yeah. in the fact when somebody asks you like, "Hey, how's it going?" You're like, "Oh." exhausted i'm doing all these different things if it wasn't for coffee i wouldn't be here <laughs> right you know and and our our culture almost it promotes that it promotes this like you're to work so hard and so fast and constantly right that that you find yourself in a place of exhaustion yeah and i think we as ministers if we buy into that same type of thing then we justify it for our people yeah um, because in the same way that we can get so caught up in the ministry that we can miss the fact that we also are people who are growing and developing and and trying to um to follow the Lord. Yeah. And and I think we can almost create space in our own life that doesn't allow for our own discipleship. Well, and I th- and I think that's that's the kind of be an example, be an exemplar minister as you are a faithful disciple kind of thinking and language that we need to put on it because i think for some folks they they edify the busyness um, because it shows how how good they are and how hard they work right but i think a gift you could give to your ministry to your leaders to your congregation is to be like i'm actually about a practice of rest right and and for me to take rest is important good rest is important as important as good work 
and actually I will give better work with better rest. Sure. Like this, this is, I mean, there are moments where it's like, well, I gotta, I mean, like it's, you know, I have to stay up and finish this project or, you know, this is my, my big weekend event. So I may not sleep as much as I would on a regular weekend. Like there are moments and seasons of like, well, I had to do this thing for a short time and then now I'm going to bounce back with more rest. But on the whole, there should be a pattern of rest that matches the pattern of the kind of quality of work that you want to give to your life of ministry. Um, and that's, and that's, I think, and this is where we can take it back to in the first half, the, the patterning of God and the creation story that is as much as it is about creator God, I think it's also about um, the discipline of God and to see that God works and that God rests, right? Like God is about a thing, a great thing, a good thing, creative, creative kind of thing, uh, the kind of thing that we would encourage folks to, to take heart and to, and to be about creating and doing and, and making good. But there's also that bit that really lingers, like that it's so counterintuitive, maybe countercultural for sure, at least for, for the circles that we're in, that, that you would take time to rest at, at the either end or the beginning of however you want to structure that time, that the time that you're serving is marked by a start and finish because of a period of rest. Like if work is continual, then you don't even know when you got done because mm. you were always doing. And so to have this notion, this gift of rest be rooted in the most beginning parts of the narrative that we claim as the most important narrative is critical for us to example what it means to be faithful. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And <clears throat> when I was first starting out in ministry, I think that a little bit what you touched on was probably one of the the hardest things for me to wrap my mind around, because um, naturally my my personality I, I'm a checkbox guy, yeah, right. Like I love list. I love. I will. I will do things and then write a checkbox just to check the box. Okay, so okay, the, which is a super satisfying practice if you don't <laughs> at home. If, I mean, for all the digital task lists that you can do, there is something deeply satisfying to scratching something off a list. So, but in ministry, um. The completion, mm. I, I struggled when I first started in ministry, finding a place to where I'm able to like check the box off, <laughs> right. right? Like, yeah. well, this is complete. You know what I mean? Like, because you look at ministry and it's like, okay, so we have finished camp. Yeah. Now we begin to work on camp for next year. Yeah. Or, or, or what a great midweek. Before next midweek, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and so there was constantly this thing that I I I struggled with because I I'm, I was constantly trying to find myself in this place of completion of like because any other I m most of the jobs that that uh, are in the rest of the world there's tasks right yeah. like you do this task finish the project you finish the project and then it's done and, yeah. and you get to see this completed work and in ministry it's like it's people and so it's like and we're making you know disciples of christ right. and so it's like at what point is that done right and and so we're constantly in this place at least for me internally of of the struggle of completion yeah and so rest felt difficult for me because i'm i'm I have that mindset of, well, there's more, there's more to be done. Yeah. And in ministry, there's always more to be done. Like literally you can always find something else, right? Yeah. Or diving into a, a deeper relationship with somebody or a new relationship with someone else or creating a new program, a new strategy or whatever that is. You can create more boxes to check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, that box. Sub, sub boxes. Yeah. Sub boxes on boxes. And so for a while, and I'll be very honest with you, Zach, even after 12 years of ministry now, I still struggle with that because when I find myself resting, um, my natural feeling is not, oh, this is nice. It's honestly a feeling of guilt. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's wrong, but I feel like oh, I should be doing something right now. Or, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I could be doing this, this, and this, get ahead on this, you know, start this, all those kind of things. And so I can begin to feel guilty, and I don't think that that's healthy or right. Well, and I, and I think – and this, this, will, this will pick up in the second half for some stuff that you talked about finding a place or a space of rest. And I think that the guilt comes from thinking that rest is a zero integer next to work as, as a non-zero integer, right? Like rest means nothing, and uh -huh. work means something. 
and that's not true. Like like rest rest is not the null next to all the things you've done. Like there is um, there is goodness and in, in in creation in rest that are not associated with toil or work. And I think when we pick it up in the second half, I really want to talk about the place and the space of rest, and that like, maybe there's something happening. Uh, that the, the rest for our after nine listeners and friends is actually about um, a, a passion or a life giving, a life sustaining kind of um, hobby or creative project or thing that's not connected to the toil or the work of the vocation. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the things that I mean drives. Uh, literally you from Bartlesville to Tulsa on Fridays on our day of rest, because here in this space together, there's a place of rest, even though we are doing, we aren't working. And I think that's, that's a way to kind of name some of those things in the Christian life that are really significant. Because I think, and this is one of the things that we started with, there are wrong ways to rest. I think there are wrong ways to rest where we just fall into a kind of collapse of rest, where it was just like, there was so much exertion that I just shut down. So there wasn't a reset or a log off. It was shut down. Right. And that's really hard to come back from. Like it's hard to reboot from if you like shut, if you work really hard for, you know, X number of days or X number of weeks, and then you just shut down hmm. for X number of days or X number of weeks. It's hard to bounce back from that as opposed to having the built-in pattern. But there's also that wrong rest where it's just, well, I didn't do anything today. So I feel guilty and anxious hmm. and shameful. And that's that's wrong too. But I, and I think part of that comes from not having kind of the guided, discerning voice of what it looks like of how to really rest. There you go, friends. Holiday season, maybe a little time off for you, for your friends, for your family. Take the time to find some good rest. Read, renew, refresh. Let's get back at the work of ministry, ready and rejuvenated. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Afterdime. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Afterdime. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter or Facebook at Afternine Ministry or visit www.afternineministry.com to subscribe and learn more.